Ei. There we go. That'll work for now. How's everybody doing? Today is Wednesday, August 5th. This is the 13th episode of the Rojo Show. Lucky number 13. And I am ready to talk about some things. What am I ready to talk about? Unfortunately, I'm going to talk about this future Russell Wilson thing. Because I think it covers a lot of different topics. Or not topics, but I think it covers a lot of... I don't want to say it. I guess it's a. I guess it's a. I. I'm trying to find a, a, a synonym for the word nuanced because I really like using that word and it, it, it's really good because a lot of things are indeed nuanced topics and nuanced uh, situations. Um, but I gotta find another word for it because the, it 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 brings up a lot of topics and it's interesting. It's interesting to hear and see the people that talk about it. That's going to be a common theme on at least two of the major topics that we're going to talk about today. And they're not they're not especially major topics. I don't want to blow them up like they're that important in the uh, in the microcosm that is our lives and that is reality. But uh, I'm going I'm going I'm going to go deep on a couple topics. I'm also going to try to make some peace with Ronda Rousey or at least try to better explain why she annoys me. I guess this is my roadmap. I'm giving you a little roadmap of today. Um, I was I, right before I came in here to record this. I was deeply, deeply excited and, and intrigued by this woman who um who was calling for other women to boycott the um the straight out of Compton movie because um in her words NWA pioneered um and and, and really gave the foothold for hip hop to start objectifying women um, although NWA really wasn't shit until Straight Outta Compton came out in 1988, and there was plenty of women being objectified before then. But we'll get into that in a second. Um, but yeah, like I said, like I said, the first thing I wanted to talk about was this uh, this future Russell Wilson Sierra thing because it it occupied a lot of my time this weekend or not this weekend these last couple days on social media because I as you know I I am a sucker for a good Facebook debate and I I did that I I deliberately went and took the bait and got into a conversation with some people that I know I know Cause that's another thing. That's something me and Will talked about, and I'm sure I'm sure other people feel this way as well. You you know when you get into these conversations with certain people that they're not going to be able to handle the gambit of information you may have to give them. Excuse me, I'm spiking, but I I, I indulged myself. In a little Twitter ramble, and a little not Twitter. I don't tweet as much as I should. I really just tweet, um, you know, pluggers about the the, the show. 
that is this show, the Rojo show. But I, I, I indulged myself in a little, uh, you know, every now and then the NBA players go and they shoot around at the park. <laughs> so that's what I did. I went and I, I shot around with some people on Facebook that, that, that really had no... I really had no business having a an in depth conversation with, not on not on not on on topics of this nature, of this importance to the community, because once I once you drop that and once you include that and make it known that this is of importance to the community, then they realize that they're in a, they, they they they've stepped into a ring that they are no longer comfortable in. But um, okay, so on the topic of this this future and Russell Wilson thing, and and again, I, I really don't mean to spend this much time on it. We'll see how much time I actually end up end up you know talking about it or whatever. But um, first off, if the father of the child doesn't want it to happen to his child, that's really it. That's check and mate. Within reason. Now, if it, it, it if he doesn't, there are other things I guess you can kind of discuss. And I, I suppose if he's reasonable, he can give leeway on. But for the most part, even when, even when the relationship or even when, yeah, even when the relationship of the mother and father isn't spoiled and they're, 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 they are still together, in most cases, the father has somewhat of a final say and in divorce situations or in separated situations mothers kind of have final say on situations that happen in their home as, as well it, it's, it's it's two different households y'all obviously had irreconcilable differences so you all are the masters of your individual situations but you also have say in other situations for example I guess when a certain age comes around, you all discuss about whether you're comfortable with them having cell phones or if they're dating or if they're driving or if you want to get them their own car, these type of things. They're definitely these joint decisions that have to be made. But if Future says he doesn't want his child around this other guy. Sierra kind of has to ex- accept that and she can fire back and say, well, I don't want my baby around your baby, you no know other women either, but he already, he's already tied to at, at least six other women, at least six other women for the next 18 years in different increments. Because if you don't know, future has seven kids by six women which and and listen I'm not uh, I'm not touting him as the poster child for relationships or the poster child for what a married committed man a black entertainer a whatever classify whatever genre you want to put him in whatever classification you want to give him I wouldn't put him at the top of it, but this is what we're dealing with. This is what she has decided to engage in. Is the word coitus? I don't know. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I don't know why I want to use that word. But this is who she's had a baby by. So this is who we're talking about. 
Now, just because he, just because he has six women by six kids, seven kids by at least six women, just because this is his circumstance does not mean that he is a bad guy or a bad father, which I think a lot of people are assuming off top. I mean, all intents, you would assume, I mean, he has a lot of kids and he's fairly successful in the music industry. So they should all have decent lives. From what I've seen, a lot of these Southern cats have a lot of kids. T.I. got a lot of kids. Um, Lil Wayne, well, Lil Wayne got a lot of kids by a lot of different women. But these Southern dudes, they have a bunch of kids. And... I mean, if they're successful, I mean, there's a family aspect that is definitely more prominent in Southern homes and Southern families than there is in Northern homes and Northern families or bigger cities. There's way more of this like dating thing. There's way more of this waiting for the quote unquote right one. Whereas in Southern cities or or in the South and with Southern families, it's way more like, hey, I've been messing with this chick since seventh grade. She's beautiful. Or she's the prettiest thing in this county. I'm just going to go for it. Or, you know, he was captain of a football team and now he's sheriff or whatever. And I'm just going to marry this guy. And we're just going to start having a family. So, I don't know. That's, that's that aspect of it. So, that doesn't mean that he's a bad dad. He could be an awesome dad. Okay, and and again, that doesn't necessarily matter if he says he doesn't want his son around him. Sierra should respect that. Now, on on the the subject of Sierra, let's not act like somebody on Facebook. Again, I kind of I kind of goaded them into this, but um, somebody on Facebook got mad at me because I referred to Sierra as a, a slut bucket. Was it a slut bucket? It was something with bucket involved. I think it was a slut bucket or scum bucket. I forget what I called it. It was something slightly disrespectful. Kind of, it wasn't ferocious. Not like I called a, a. There, there are way worse things I could have called her. Um. But I mean, let's just let's just backtrack on Sierra's career. Now, all of these women that are defending her at one point was real deep and saying that she looked like a man. You know, she was the knockoff Aaliyah with better dance moves that could fill in this little tween area while Beyonce went and got dangerously in love and eventually got engaged to Jay-Z or whatever. But every person that she's been in a relationship with, she has tried to attach herself professionally because they've been more successful than her. I.E. Bow Wow, 50 Cent, Chameleonaire. She was rumored Amari Stoudemire. She was in relationships with all of these men. And whatever they were deep into, she became fully engulfed in. She, she, just because you're dating somebody doesn't mean you have to do a song with them right off. But it does lend some sort of 
it, it makes us wonder. It makes us wonder why every time you're dating someone, you have to you have to be professionally, or you have to you have to gain something from them in some kind of way, and we can't act like her dating Russell Wilson isn't a, a huge step up for her. I didn't do a lot of research on Sierra. I don't know where she's from necessarily. I don't know about her upbringing, but f- from getting knocked up by Future to be another one of his baby mamas, to being at the White House with Russell Wilson, that is a that is a substantial paradigm shift. That's paradigm. There's a there's a G and an N in there, I believe. So I'm just saying Let's not act like Sierra doesn't know That when she's bringing her son To Russell Wilson's football practice That pictures aren't going to be taken And Future isn't going to see them And she knows that Future Feels some type of way about her son being around her Let's just Let's just just be real about that My next point on this is um, there is a classic and there is this there's this classic classification that we're putting on future and Russell. And I alluded to it earlier with with few in regard to future, um, in regards to him having, Multiple kids by multiple women. I'm not going to keep trying to guess at the number because I don't know what the exact number is. I know it's more than five. But as I alluded to earlier, that doesn't necessarily make him a bad father. It definitely makes him a bad, I guess, potential husband. I guess it definitely would... would would uh, be some red flags as far as wanting to make this a make this your your long-term partner because it is it assume it seems that he's not good at it number 1 and a child is not a way to slow it down because generally you know there there are women that think that if you get a man pregnant he'll slow down and he'll he'll make an honest woman out of you and there are some guys who do yeah there's some guys who do some guys get caught up in that pregnancy shit what are you talking about? What are you talking about? But there are some guys that get girls pregnant and they stop and they, they build a happy home for them and they make it into something that it's not. But some guys don't give a shit about that. They get you pregnant and if in Future's case they have the money to um, to subsidize a, a family, they do it and they take care of it. And then we don't know about Russell Wilson just because he's and, and, and this is this is a very easy distinction to make. This whole future is southern and dark skin and smokes and be at the strip club and got multiple kids. And Russell Wilson is this clean cut. He's the clean cut all American from whatchamacallit. He seems to be biracial. He's very safe looking. 
he's very well spoken and respectable. He's he's a Christian. He's a devout Christian, as Wikipedia puts it. He's a devout, devout Christian. Apparently, he's got this whole celibacy thing going on with Sierra, which is cool, I guess. I mean, I I can't I can't hate on that, right? Right? I can't hate on waiting till you want to get till you get married to Juice, right? But I mean, you you can't this Russell Wilson could be a dickhead. I mean, by all accounts, he's not. He seems like a great guy. But you can't, you can't, you can't take lightly these these distinctions because, I mean, this is something that people from the outside world or from from outside of our culture see. And they use as generalizations for all of us. So we can't be so quick just to, we can't stereotype future as a father based on what we see from him as a rapper and as an entertainer. Now, mind you, I could be totally speaking out of my ass with this shit. He could turn around tomorrow and prove to be a piece of shit. But until we know that, we can't just assume because he raps about popping bottles and fucking up commas that he's a bad father. He could be a very good father. T.I. Okay, got caught buying machine guns in a parking lot. And we all see that he's an awesome father. And he talking about basically the same shit. He's got multiple songs with Future. We see he's a great dad. I'm just saying, like we, we have to be very careful making these generaliza- these generalizations about our own people because it gives other people the license to do the same and not only to do the same in that circumstance, but to take these assumptions and these generalizations with them on their everyday lives. Last point on this and I'm out on this subject. And I'm sorry in, in advance to some of the ladies that may take offense to what I'm about to say. And also my use of the word bitch in the forthcoming sentences. But a lot of the bitches I see defending Sierra are these women who have a child who are going through this phase in their life that I like to call egg insecurity. And they see Sierra as a, an archetype for themselves. And they wish and they think and they, they, they pray on their little stars at night that some Russell Wilson-esque Chump will come and save them from the shit bed that they've made for themselves. Because Sierra is not the first bitch to fuck some dude who's already shown that she may not want to fuck with him. She's not the first man, she's not the first chick to mess with some dude who has multiple kids by multiple women. 
She's not the first woman to mess with some dude who has a reputation for whooping bitches' asses. She's not the first woman to mess with a dude who um, is known to not be able to stay employed. She's not the first woman to get what she deserved in many aspects and then expect some other man who nine times out of ten was around in the beginning or before she met the first dude in many cases. I'm not saying this is the case with Sierra and Russell Westbrook. It would have been very it would be very interesting if it was, though. Similar to like the Kanye and Kim situation, how Kanye was trying to get at Kim Kim was fucking with all these other dudes and Mary and Chris Humphreys and blah, 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 blah. And he ended up, you know, going on this rampage with Amber Rose, which I'm sure was a fun and wild ride. But Ye knew what he wanted. And off of that subject very quickly, because I don't want to be seen as a supporter of the Kim Ye. I don't even like that. I just said Kim Ye. The Kim Kardashian and Kanye West Union. But oftentimes women see or put down the type of man that they end up coming back around and and wanting. And I just see I, I watch these women on Facebook defend Sierra and go to bat for, you know, call future a piece of shit. And I feel like they see their relationship in there. And they are rooting for Russell to come and save Sierra with this glass slipper. But I think it's wrong for her to have him so invested in their child so early. Because according to the internet, they've been dating since April. April. let's, Let's say... Let's say they dated in late May, March, April, May, no, no, March, late, late March, okay, and they made it official smack dab on April Fool's Day, April 1st. Let's give them the whole month of April, April, May, June, July, this is August 4th, 5th, this is August 5th, they've barely been dating for five months. And Russell Wilson is hugged up with the baby at his football practice. Thirst bucket. That's what I called her, a thirst bucket. Because I felt like, listen, Sierra is all up at the practices with this new dude she's been dating for five months. That's fine. Do your thirst bucket single mom thing. You don't have to have your child with him. Don't have to do that. You can go and and be out courting on your own. I like to call it being rustled. Rustled spelled R-U-S-T-L-E-D. These women want to get rustled. (laughs) I just want somebody to come rustle me. Well, you, hey baby, listen, I'll wrestle you. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna wrestle you. 
I see you and your baby, you know what I'm saying? You and your daughter, you and your son. Look, I'm a nice guy. I'm going to wrestle you. That's the new Captain Kirk. The new Captain Kirk is being wrestled. Women want to be wrestled. But again, that is, like I said, that look at the people who are defending Sierra and see if they don't fit a profile. That's all I'm going to say on that. But that does bring me into my next, the next thing I want to spend way too much time on talking. Fuck, my computer just died. Hold on. It's not even my recording computer. It's my um, my research computer. The, the computer I use to look things up while I talk to you guys. So, another thing I want you to notice as you're scrolling through social media. Pay attention to the people that are defending Meek Mill in this Drake battle. There is a distinct educational difference an educational boundary that this battle has set and you can look at the lyrics you can pull them up and read them you can listen to the songs there is a Meek Mill is not on Drake's level in any way in any way They are not equal. Lyrically, people that are supporting Meek Mill are doing it in a very sympathetic, a very, in spite of his less than, less, I don't, my my mind took me to less than gallant effort, but it wasn't even a gallant effort. It was really a a windmill, Shanae style, fighting just just flailing his arms wildly while Drake sat back and gave very calculated punches and very calculated moves and attacks it was very nasty um but like I said simply put it comes down to an educational difference okay um in in regards to the ghostwriting accusations um, Drake is not only a rapper, okay? So certain certain lines and general practices of the bill of the of the business get blurred. Okay? Now, I Meek obviously played a piece of the reference track from Quentin Miller and um as as a as a musician and as a writer, as a producer, it was a bit it was a bit uh concerning. It definitely made me think, but it would have been way different as Joe Button said in the interview. It'd be way different if I heard him like rapping lyrics, like if it was 4 a.m. in Toronto or if he was rapping lyrics from Tuscan Leather or Terrace Martin Music. A hook on an EP, 
I mean, honestly, he could have been throwing that out to get Homeboy some shine and some credits and to get get his ghostwriting game up because people do that. Snoop does that a lot. Pharrell does that a lot. Um, Diddy does that a lot. He just lets people write for him and then let people hear that they wrote for him and then he gets writing credits and writing people on the next on the next side. But again, I'd, I'd be way more concerned if I heard him speaking spitting bars. Next, uh, Meek Mill is a C plus, maybe B minus rapper. Okay, I can't really remember any of his biggest songs, but they don't. He doesn't stand alone on any of his biggest songs. The biggest songs I remember from him are House Party with Young Chris. Um. Church featuring Drake. I mean, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure. I know for sure that Meek Mill has never been on a Drake album. I know for sure that Meek Mill is on that church song and he's also on this Rico song on this new album that Meek just put out. So, you know, when, when Drake's, it's not like I need, it's not like I need what I make off a feature. Not from you, bro. Um, Meek is a, a very one-dimensional rapper. Street shit. Getting money. Shooting choppers. And that's how his, his battle verse was. It was very one-dimensional. He attempted to... He attempted to assert some kind of street dominance over Drake. And that's not even the, the realm or the... That's not even the style of fighting that Drake was engaged in. He's coming in boxing. And Drake is throwing leg kicks. He's donating money to his school. Tripling the amount that Meek Mill uh, donated. That that really is the crux of that aspect of the battle. Meek Mill donated $25,000 to his uh, high school that he didn't graduate from. And then Drake came and donated three times that amount. $75,000. It's a, it's very, it's, it's a very high level move. But please pay attention to the few Meek Mill fans that are vocal. Please pay attention to them. They are not. They when you look at it and you see who it is, there's a very much of a oh okay I see that. They weren't. Uh, you can't really compare the two. As far as the disc records, you can't really compare the two songs because. Well, okay, so Meek starts off with a 40-second intro. Then there's another 30 seconds of Quentin Miller singing the song. Then there's like another 30 seconds of a Diddy rant. I mean, let's just round that to saying it's a minute and a half of talking out of a four-minute song. And there's, there's nothing really quotable. It's all very typical and basic flow. Very rudimentary kind of jabs. Somebody piss on your leg in the movie theater. Street shit. Very one-dimensional. 
Nothing really quotable. Nothing really you can write home about. He switches up the beat, which implies that there's going to be some kind of ramping up of the lyrics or ramping up of the, the intensity. Maybe he's going to call his name out because Drake was very direct and we all knew who he was talking about, especially on the second track. Before. I'll, get, I'll get into Drake in a second. But he goes and mentions his platinum chick. How he's on, I can't remember if he's on the red carpet or if he's on the cover of a magazine, what, what the exact reference was. But we know they weren't there for you, my nigga. You all were there because of her. You all were there because she was nominated for something. You weren't there for Meek Millie. So stop it. What are you doing? That's what everybody's holding over your head, bro. That's one of the biggest shots. One of the biggest shots is that your woman is the most successful in your relationship by a, a long margin. Your big homie can't necessarily get a song with her if he wants to. By by big homie, I mean Ross. Wale could possibly get a feature from her, but that's because Wale be on that cake shit, you know. But you're not even you're not even on the same stratosphere as Nicki Minaj, my man. You're not even close, my man. She's on a different planet than you, my man. Now, I'm not going to talk too much about this Drake shit because it was such an uneven and such an obvious slaughter. I really don't. And, and I don't want to put too much on this topic anyway. As far as I'm concerned, it, it, by my standards, so far, my show's content has been a little, it's been a little colloquial. It's been a little, it's been a little rudimentary. Nothing really high level. Some of my takes on these low-level topics have been high-level, but it's, it's it's been really nothing nothing to write home about. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna quickly gloss over these these Drake bars, and then we'll move into something I think is at least a little bit more provocative. Now now I want to use a word in Drake in in describing Drake's approach to this whole thing. And that is cerebral. His approach to this whole Meek Mill thing has been very cerebral. And I he, he attacked it on so many levels. It was so Da Vinci Codian. Even the even the the um the cover art on the SoundCloud for the charged up song was um the picture of was is the baseball player's name Joe Carter hitting a home run for the Toronto Blue Jays to beat the Phillies eight to two which if you didn't catch that that's a six point difference for the six god running through the six I'm just saying that's that's just the cover art. I did some charity today for the kids. I already talked about how he tripled Meek Mill's uh, donation to his high school that he didn't graduate from. It was the the first track was very much a warning. 
it was very much a listen you don't want to do this I don't want to get too specific so I'm throwing these very lupe-ish metaphors and, and, and subtle shots Meek very well could have repented to the sixth guy after the charged up one. And I don't want you to take my my enthusiasm or my exuberance in talking about this or my my play on words and saying Meek could have repented to the sixth guy as being some kind of over admiration or full investment in the entity that is Drake. Because I have a very love hate relationship with Drake. I do think that he can rap. I do think that he can rap, but he can obviously hold his own to some extent in 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 the in the battle arena, in the in the arena of lyrical combat. Although I don't think Meek Mill really gave him the run that his fans would like to say he could have given him. But he has definitely held his own here. But after that first track, he definitely could have came out and chilled out. He definitely could have been like, yo, blah, blah, blah. However industry niggas iron shit out, he definitely could have ironed it out. But he didn't. And before he could even reconsider, Drake hit him with another one. And and you can say what you want about Charged Up. I like Charged Up. I compared it to Jay-Z's Dear Summer. When he kind of told Game, like, listen, you don't, listen, you don't want it. Me and my niggas always refer to that as like a tap, like he tapped him. Like, yo, stop it. Chill out. Kind of that thing where your parents, you know, if, if, if my mom used to grab me with the with the nails under the arm with the pinch. She used to pinch me. It was a little pinch, like, hey, stop what you're doing right now. It's, it's going to be trouble for you, boy. That's what Dear Summer was. That's what I think Charged Up was. And then when he hit him with back to back, I mean, I don't listen. I don't need to. I don't need to tell you. It was. It was such a. Come on. Is that the world tour or your girls tour? Trigger finger turned to Twitter fingers. Come on, man. You getting bodied by a singing nigga. Come on, man. He playing himself halfway. Come on, man. I don't I don't need to keep talking about this. I don't need to keep talking about this. All I need to say is when you're going through your feed, pay close attention to who is the Meek Mill fan. In very in very many cases, it could be someone that is trying to perpetuate some kind of street knowledge or street affiliation. That they really don't have, that they've never really had, that they've always longed for. And by associating or positioning themselves with Meek Mills or in support of Meek Mill, they feel in some way that they are taken up for the hood nigga. Or they are they are endorsing the real nigga. And just just just, just watch him. Just, just just watch him. Just just check him out. Just all I'm gonna say. Just check him out. Because when I put when I looked at it through those lenses, it was very apparent. It was very. It is what it is. All right, so let's move on. Ronda Rousey, woo! Ronda, Ronda. More like Ronda Drowsy. No. <laughs> Ronda Lousy. 
this gets, she gets on my nerves. I'm not a, I don't know. I don't want to say I'm not a fan. She, well, I'm not a fan. I don't, I don't like her. But first off, so that's not how I wanted to start us off. I wanted to start off by giving her a very sincere congratulations on another title defense against the Brazilian Beth Korea, who disappointed us all. I really wanted Korea to expose Ronda's weak hands, her weak knuckle game, because I think she leans on the arm bar. I'll tell you why later, shortly. I was really looking for Korea to inflict some pain, punch her in the face, at least take her out of the first fucking round. Jesus. But no. She rushed in and allowed Rhonda to get off some pretty good hits, knocked her out, and apparently she shit herself. I think she I think she might have shit herself when she got knocked out. I don't know. But here's okay, so this is why I don't like Ronda Rousey, okay? Now listen. I am all for confidence. I am all for fuck it. I'm all for being cocky. But you have to be I'm I'm not for being cocky when you haven't necessarily proven yourself. In your sport or in your profession. And I feel as though Ronda Rousey has had a very, very easy path to her championship and where she is. Now, listen, she's defeated 90% of her opponents by armbar. If you don't know, Ronda Rousey's mother is a judo champion. I don't have any... I need to get some... um, some specifics on that. But Ronda Rousey's mom is a Olympic judo champion and they brag about... She brags about how she's been doing the arm bar since she was three years old. When you look at the NBA... When you look at baseball, when you look at football, when you look at other legitimate forms of sports, LeBron James, Dwight Howard, um, Carmelo Anthony, D-Wade, they all came from the same, they've all been playing basketball since they were little, little boys. There are some aberrations. You get some kids like, you know, um, Roy Hibbert who, you know, didn't really play basketball until he was older or, you know, some Islanders or some some Europeans who maybe picked up the game late. But for the most part, the majority of those players have been playing since they were very little. So when LeBron James says he's the best player in the NBA, or when you have the elite players in the NBA, you have an even playing field of people who have been playing somewhat the same amount of time. Now, is it Rhonda's fault that no one else has been training in combat sports as long as she has. No, that's not her fault. I'm not saying it's her fault. That definitely, she definitely has a fair advantage. But she is cocky as if she doesn't have an advantage. And she has a great advantage. 
I don't I don't know the specifics of these other women's athletic careers, but none of them are in getting hit. None of them are in inflicting pain on the body. And that's what MMA is. And that's what Ronda has been doing for her whole life. So I don't think it's fair for her to walk around talking about how she's beating up all these bitches and how she's the baddest bitch when she she's been she's beaten up on girls who have nowhere near the experience in the ring that she does. Nowhere near. But let her tell us she's, you know, the the biggest shit on the fucking block. She's not that good, bro. And these women get so emotional and are so amped up. By the time they get to the ring, they're foaming at the mouth. They abandon any plan that they've prepared during, during, during training camp and with their coaches and with their corners. And all they focus on is wanting to dethrone this bitch who is so cocky about some shit that she's been doing her whole life. She should be ashamed. She should be like, look, man, it's really not a big deal. I've been doing it a lot longer than them. I'm killing them because they, nobody can fuck with me. I'd feel way better about her if she did it like that. Look, man, it's not. It's no surprise that I'm beating these bitches because none of them are on my level. And I'm sure this is great for MMA. And I'm sure it's great for UFC. And I I am all for it in all of those aspects. I'm all for her being, you know, a spokesperson for women, being able to get into combat sports and being able to widen the horizon of possibilities for women in athletics. I'm all for it. Go for it. Dana White, make your money. But I'm not for her walking around acting like she's walking, like she's discovering um new organisms or, or new ways of life. She's she's using something that she's been taught since she was a little girl on women who are are basically just athletic. They're athletic for women and they think that maybe they could take a hit or throw a punch. But Chris Cyborg says she's trying to drop weight. Chris Cyborg says she's trying to make 145 and she's trying to knock Ronda out. And Ronda's been ducking her because admittingly, I mean, I'll admit, uh, Chris Cyborg does look like she's been on the juice. I mean, her nickname is Cyborg. She is kind of built kind of masculinely, muscularly. But uh, if she pisses clean and she makes 145, it's going to be a very interesting situation for Miss Rhonda. Miss Rhonda. And and for the record, um what was the the last Fast Furious movie? Was that 6 or 7? Whichever one she was just in, listen. I've I've seen some pictures where I could say that she's somewhat attractive. In that movie, she was very intimidating. She was not attractive at all. Her back is huge in those dresses they be trying to squeeze her in. She was on Tonight Show looking awkward and uncomfortable. I, I'd style her. I'd put her in some nice stuff that she could look feminine in and still be comfortable. 
But she didn't look good in that movie. I mean, what? On okay, okay. So like on a good day, on a regular day, Rhonda's what like a six and a half. She's probably like a six and a half. And yes, that's on my thirty scale. She's probably. Like a, I mean, I guess. I guess if you want to say she's a celebrity and could kind of be hot based off that, so you want to bump her up to like the ten to twenty. But even then, she's only like a 13. Only like a 13. I don't know. Maybe. If you don't know. The, okay, so this isn't my scale, obviously. This is a scale I learned from some people. But the scale is 1 to 30. Okay. That way, you can never, as a man. This is this is man talk. Man talk. So I'm sure while I'm saying this, there's going to be, as, as usual, man talk that always in the end seems to be vetted and come out to be true. While I'm doing this man talk, I'm sure there's, there's some woman somewhere shaking her head talking about, you know, men don't know what they're talking about. But the scale is 1 to 30. So let's say you're walking down the street and you see some random regular chick, right? She is 1 to 10 on your regular chick scale. Okay? And this is a way for men to always to never feel overwhelmed by the attractiveness or the beauty of a woman. Because in, in a lot of cases, that's what throws us off or that's what intimidates us from approaching a woman. We feel like they're out of our league in some kind of way. But if you can break them up on this scale, you're not looking at women like, oh my God, she's amazing. You look at them like, oh, she's decent. For that scale. Let me continue with the scale. So. Um, you're walking down the street. And you see a very attractive woman. On a bus stop. Okay. So you. She gets 1 through 10. If she's very attractive. She's she's maybe like an 8. 7 and a half. Something like that. Right. So then let's say you're out in the club. You see some chick pull up. She hops out of her little coupe. She's got a nice little freakum dress. Showing a nice little booty. Nice little booty meat. Nice little nice little breast meat. So I guess you can bump her to like a, a 10 through 20. But then how attractive is she on that 10 through 20 scale? Right? She could only be like... She could only be like a 15. She could be nice, but she can't. She could be not that nice. Maybe you get in there, you see, you know, she orders um, a vodka cranberry. That's kind of boring. Or maybe no, no, she she orders a beer. Ugh, bitches at the beer, bitches at the club with beer. Now what's up? Maybe you get a fifteen, or maybe halfway through the night you see that she like takes her shoes off and she's walking around a nasty club with no shoes on. She has no class. It's fifteen. So then let's say you meet like some like badass like celebrity like super high end chick, right? Then you still have to gauge her 20 to 30. So she's still not, even though she's an upper echelon type of woman, that still doesn't warrant her being a quote unquote 10 or being quote unquote like the top of the, the totem pole or the scale. She still has a scale by which to be graded. And by which she can be in some way found fault with. 
I say all that to say Ronda Rousey on a one to thirty is probably still only a six and a half, seven maybe. I give her a seven. If we go, if we go on one to thirty, I give her a seven. That's nothing. Whatever. But yeah, I, please Ronda Rousey, keep keep going with all your success. I just don't think you should be so cocky about doing what you've been doing all your life. That's all. Now this is the topic that really got me heated right before I was about to come up here and do this 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 podcast for you people. The people, my people, not you people, our people, us people. So apparently feminist feminists are boycotting the straight out of Compton movie. Claiming that NWA was in some way the catalyst or the beginning of hip hop's turn to objectify women. How NWA and specifically Dr. Dre with his his assault on the annoying and um Hip D Barnes on after her show Pump It Up uh, aired featuring um, Ice Cube, and I really I really need to go and I need to talk to my hip hop archive on this. I have a connect B my B connect. I have a connect on all things '90s hip hop, and I think she may have some information on this. I'll have to reach out to her through the proper channels. But apparently they are, I, I, I posted a link to a young, she's not a young lady. I'll, I'll get to why that matters very shortly. Um, speaking about how no self-respecting black woman should see straight out of Compton. Because of how NWA um, exemplifies the hatred of black women. And how black women already aren't cared for or protected and how the movie um, supports men and and, um, a mentality that does not love or support women either. And then she goes in making some very general comments and some very general statements about the background of N.W.A., and um, lyrics that, of course, the only the only NWA lyric, or the only the only thing that they can call upon is "fuck the police," which, in the state we're in currently, really should be a chant of freedom, should be something that we should be being able, we should be riding around blasting as a a makeshift um, battle cry, given the the atrocities that have happened. In even the last six months, I don't need to go through the last two years, but in the last six months, uh, we should have adopted fuck the police as a a citizen state um, fucking national anthem, a state anthem, a, 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 a anthem for the people that have been oppressed specifically our people and I still hear this all lives matters bullshit 
when we know that we're talking about us right now specifically black lives the ones that are being the, the ones that are being proven to not be as matter as much not to be as valuable But yeah, the blog site that the, the article is on is called Beyond Black and White. And I'm sure there's a lot of other propaganda on there that I could dive into and cut up. But the fact that she is attempting to blame every all of... Oh, okay, okay, hold on. So the fact that she's trying to attribute the Straight Outta Compton movie and hip-hop's turn to quote-unquote misogyny and the objectification of women. Straight out, NWA wasn't shit until 1988 when Straight Outta Compton came out. And by by the time Straight Outta Compton came out, they were not even the most the the worst out there. Two Live Crew had had multiple albums by then. A little uh, a little Bay Area rapper by the name of Too Short, who has his own way of saying "bitch." He was on his second album by the time NWA came out. So how are they? The, how are they the catalyst? How are they the first? Then she goes and and, and tries to, um, tries to assimilate all of these, quote unquote, conscious rappers that she was listening to at the time, all of these quote unquote positive images and positive lyrics that were coming out. And she starts quoting people that are totally out of the out of her timeline. The Far Side, a tribe called Quest, all this other shit. Tribe was looking at the Chronic. Tribe tried to make their second album like the Chronic. So I don't even think Tribe Called Quest was together when NWA was popping out like that. They might have. They may have been very in, in very uh, prepubescent stages of the of the band and, and of the group. But to compare them and say that you could listen to one and listen to the other and compare them at the time, that's that's not true. But I see the chink in her armor when she starts to give statistics and I see who this site and who she's pandering to. Because she has all these statistics about the amount of white males that visit her site. So here we have another egg insecure woman because she, she mentions how she's born in 73. I'm not good at math, but what does that make her about 40, 42? So she's not, she, she's, I don't know if she has kids, but she's not realizing that, you, you know, I noticed something the other day. I was listening to V103. And if you're not a Chicagoan and if you're not familiar with V103, V103 is basically there are three major radio stations in Chicago for for urban audiences. By that, I mean black. Um, There's 92.3, which if you were to give them a demographic would be. Probably a mature 13 to 20 maybe 25 24-25 WGCI which would probably be a little older than that so I'd probably say around like 
I'd probably say that's probably like the hardcore, like 18 to 25, 18 to 30. Excuse me. And then you have V103, which is the basically 30 and up. Something I noticed is that now that I am approaching the age of 30, I'm approaching that V103 range. They're playing more music that I was listening to when I was younger. Because if you're going to be the quote unquote old school station, you're going to maintain a certain idea or a certain age range of what old school is. You're not going to keep playing older and older music. You're going to keep playing music that is consistently referred to as the the quote unquote old school music or the music that that caters to that age group of 30. So whereas when I was younger and they played Donnell Jones, when Donnell Jones, uh, Say What, Say What, Say What first came out, Say What, Say What, Say What, you know that I like it, baby, girl, you know what's up. When that song first came out, there's a rap verse on there featuring, uh, there's there's a left eye, from TLC rap verse on there and they would always cut it out because rap at that point wasn't something that 30 year olds when that song came out 30 to 40 year olds wasn't trying to fuck with that shit but now 30 and 40 year olds they want that rap verse so what does V103 do do now now they play that rap verse you understand what I'm saying so I don't know if this woman has kids. I don't know how how privy she is to the young generation right now. But every generation looks at the generation before them and says, what the fuck are they talking about? Just like when I was younger, my parents and our parents were thinking, what the fuck is 12 play? They would have never guessed that 20 years later, Chris Brown and Janaina Aiko would casually be talking about eating ass. Just casually eat booty like groceries. Just cute little voice. Yeah. They wouldn't they wouldn't imagine that, you know, Nicki Minaj would have a song called Anaconda and have a video attached to it, which is basically just her shaking her artificial ass. And then have the audacity to um to lobby for it to be nominated for best choreography are you fucking crazy i say all that to say that the music then is just as crazy as the music now i in some way wish that the music now was as crazy as the music was then. I wish there was a rapper now talking about fuck the police because that's what we need right now. We need that. I don't know. I'm going to be, listen, I bought a Compton hat when I was in LA just to wear two straight out of Compton because I'm going to see that movie. It's going to be a good movie. It's going to be a good story. I don't see how, look, man, if you, the Beastie Boys objectify women, and, and like I said, I saw, as soon as she gave that stat on the amount of white men that visit her 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 site, 
and had no numbers of the. She is anti-black man. Because she was very interested and very supportive of Europeans and white men coming to her site and learning how the black woman needs protection and all this other shit. But it was nothing. There was nothing in her that wanted the black man to be the protector of the black woman. So I'm sure she's been burned by some niggas, probably some niggas much like Sierra that showed signs of being pieces of shit. But in some way are just so irresistible. I don't know. I don't get it. I definitely did post a countdown to Kylie Jenner turning 18. That is real. It's about four days. Four days till we can all look at her and legitimize the thoughts that are in our heads. Because right now, right now, we have to pixelate everything that is over, you know, that is not age appropriate. Except for when you're in California or states where 17 is the legal age of consent. But as soon as she turns 18, we will all be free to creep out. At our own discretion. Watching Game of Thrones. I'm finally caught up. Fuck this show. They kill everybody I like. Jon Snow is my dude. I don't know what happened. And by the way, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't seen it, you've probably heard by now that they kill everybody anyway. So don't try to accuse me of some kind of, you know, uh, spoiler alert or whatever. You know the show kills people. They kill everybody. I'm caught up on power. What I haven't caught up on was True Detective. I guess I need to watch True Detective. I've been watching The Wrestler and reading the screenplay because I'm going to write a screenplay now. So... That's something I'm working on. I think I need an intern. I need an intern because I'm going to start videotaping the show and I need somebody to uh, hold my cameras and stuff. But yeah. Boycotting Straight Outta Compton. Straight Outta Compton is going to be a great movie. This movie's going to be awesome. But yeah, okay. So that's really all I got for today. Um, I'm probably going to hit you guys up with another podcast later on this week. Oh, what's today? Wednesday? I'll probably hit you another on Friday. i hit you another on Friday. Friday will probably be a little bit more focused, have a little bit more uh, substantial meat to it. Like I said... I don't, these aren't the topics I would necessarily pick. These aren't the topics I think that I'm going to, if, if I was a, a TV show, I'd want to end me off of. If there was like a podcasting association. Um, I don't think this one would win me any awards, but it's just some things that I had to t- talk about because they're, they're weighing heavy on the black community. They're like these heavy topics. And I don't want people to forget or lose focus of what we should be, really be focused on. I, th- I think some of these things are coming along at a time to separate us in very specific ways. Like I said, this Meek Mill Drake battle 
it, it, it draws very deep educational lines, okay? The people that get Drake and the people that get Meek Mills, they're very specific and different people. They are diametrically opposed on many issues in many, many, and in many ways. So I feel like, and, and, and along with the Sierra and Future and Russell Wilson, whatever you want to call it, it is causing people to talk about serious issues that we are not always willing to talk about in a mature and and an open way. And it's causing us to draw lines against each other and take on thoughts about each other that are divisive. And I just want to let everybody know that this shit really don't matter. But as this is a life and culture and popular topic show, I wanted to talk about it and give in some ways a more informed and a different approach and viewpoint to it. So although these may not be the fucking upper crust of topics and issues, they are issues that I thought maybe needed a upper crust or higher level of thinking or perspective put on them. Okay? Okay. But um, I'm Rojo. This has been episode 13 of the Rojo Show. Please remember that you can always reach out to me with topics or questions on social media through email at show at gmail.com. I am on Facebook at Rojo. Um, I am on Instagram at Shy Rojo. I am at Twitter at the Rojo sh- at uh, sh- at Rojo. Yeah, I'm on Twitter, I'm at Rojo. Please, please, please get at me. Send questions, send comments, um, send money. Um, any support, all support is welcome. I'm trying to get new hosts on. I need a new microphone. I'm trying to get things popping for the show. Um, get once I get a new microphone, I'll really be able to roll on the guests and whatnot. I got some interesting topics, got some interesting people, got interesting friends. Please keep on supporting and sharing the show. I am Rojo. This has been episode 13 of the Rojo Show. You guys have a great day. Thanks for listening.